1: doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We
3: choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because
1: they are easy, but because they are hard. My country to be sweet land of liberty, be our As for the enemies of freedom,
0: This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob Franz.
4: It is indeed and a good morning to you, my friends. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 11th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thank you so much for being with us. We got a really important show for you today. I kind of say that every morning, but I kind of mean it every morning. So um, I'm not going to re- I'm not going to retract it. I'm not going to stop saying it. It's important. The news that we're going to be discussing today, as was the news that we discussed on Saturday at uh, Medina County Friends and Neighbors. I always enjoy talking to my friends at McFan. We had a great conversation. It covered a lot of ground, <clears throat> and thank you to Lisa Woods and to uh, everyone who was there for that uh, for that event. Um, it covered a lot of ground, but a lot of it really focused on what I'm going to focus on this morning, and that is education. Uh, and not as in providing one, uh, but as in uh, discussing the troubles and the trials and the travails of having a, a decent one without uh, being indoctrinated children and uh, young adults being indoctrinated into into radicalism. And it really, really is a dangerous, dangerous time right now, and I want to hit a few of those stories right off the rip, but uh, uh, before I do that, I will tell you, we're going to have one guest today, just one, uh, and because Jim Jordan is going to be moving to Wednesday today. He's got a travel day today, so he's unable to be with us this morning, so we're going to talk to Jim Jordan on uh, Wednesday, but uh, today we're going to talk to a gentleman who got to go down to Mar-a-Lago and meet with, as Sebastian Gorka calls him, the boss, as in uh President Donald Trump and it's really cool to have a a local uh Ohio native uh Joe Burdick who makes Joe Burdick custom flags Burdick custom flags uh to go down there and uh and meet with the president and uh kind of display his wares and uh and show support and so forth. So we're going to talk to him about what that experience was like as we get of course now closer and closer into the calendar year of 2024 which of course makes it the election year. We're in the election season of course already but uh, the calendar year is getting closer so we're going to talk to him about that at 1035 beyond that we have a lot of news to present a lot of information to discuss and of course now a lot of time for your calls at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 now before we start with the education news of the day and the top news of the day including the resignation of one of the ivy league uh... presidents over the controversial to say the very least commentary that uh... and testimony that was given before congress let's all testify uh, with our support for this great country. Let's do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, go ahead and put your hand on your heart and join us. If you have a flag nearby, go ahead and stand up and, put, and, uh, and face it. If you are a believer in indoctrinating children and silencing free speech so that you can indeed present that indoctrination uh, without any pushback whatsoever, then you do not believe in what the uh, First Amendment is. You do not believe in... The constitution as a whole and therefore not the flag nor the country that it represents in other words what i'm saying is don't stand if you don't believe in it take a knee over there next to the other marxists for the rest of us i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic
0: for which it stands one nation under god
4: indivisible with liberty and justice Four. So one down and two to go is the message from um, from uh, Representative Illy Stefanik. One down and two to go. Representative Stefanik was the one who grilled the presidents of uh, Penn, University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, and MIT during a hearing last week on Tuesday over their response to anti-Semitism on their campuses. I played this for you at length. I won't uh, rehash all of it, but... <clears throat> The questions, of course, centered around, is it against your university's personal code of conduct for students to call for the genocide of groups of people like Jews? And you heard the answers. Again, I won't rehash all of it, but uh, each of them said in a different way. It depends. It's about context. Not sure. Let you know later. Maybe I'll let you know later. Bottom line, of course, is if there were any calls for the genocide of any other group, ethnic, racial, uh, religious, or anything else, it would immediately be no. Of course, that's not okay. Yes, that's a violation of our code of conduct. But when it comes to Jews, it's a equivocation. I'm not sure. We'll give you an answer later on. It's uh, it's contextual. Well, that outraged a lot of people, so much so that lawmakers, many of them, bipartisan, over 70 lawmakers uh expressed their disappointment over those responses and demanded their uh their firing a bipartisan group of house lawmakers demanded that uh, the three presidents of those universities lose their jobs which is pretty strong now when i say a pretty good sizable group 72 is a pretty sizable group particularly when it is um bipartisan not when you look at the whole of of congress 435 members in the house <clears throat> and a hundred more in the senate uh... so it's not an overwhelming sample but it's still pretty strong and usually these things are kind of ceremonial you know it's like yeah we're gonna put a symbolic rather not ceremonial symbolic we're gonna put out a letter saying we disagree with this blah 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 and then it goes away but in this case it didn't just go away in this case there was some action taken harvard president claudine gay stays on the job mit president sally cornbluff Stays on the job, but University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill is now gone. Out, done, fired. Yes. <laughs> She's out, which is why Illy Stefanik says one down, two to go. This is good news, but this has got to be just uh, you know, the beginning. University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill Saturday voluntarily stepped down from her role after facing intense blowback. McGill agreed to stay in her role until an interim president is selected. It's been my privilege to serve as president of this remarkable institution, she said in a statement. It's been an honor to work with our faculty, staff, students, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital mission, which I guess really is called into question right now. Um. The backlash, of course, came from Stefanik asking uh, whether or not uh, their calls for intifada and genocide uh, was, was against the Code of Conduct. McGill's response was, if the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. What does conduct mean? Does that mean physically carrying out genocide? Stefanik, then you'll then you'll speak out against your students? Calling for the genocide isn't enough? They actually have to commit genocide? Is that what you're saying? This is kind of largely what, uh, what led to... Maybe maybe her facing more of the wrath than the other two, but still, all three of them testified essentially the same way that uh, they're not really sure if it's violation of the code of conduct to call for the genocide of Jews. After all, they're Jews. Right. And I say that, of course, you know, very derisively, because that's kind of the attitude. They didn't use those words, but that's kind of the attitude. After all, they're Jews. Other or other groups would not have been answered the same way, but when we're talking about Jews, we got to ponder it for a little while here. That's just the sad state of the anti-Semitism on these campuses that now you know is not just fostered in the classrooms and not just in the campus groups, but also at the highest levels of the administration, including the president's offices. So now, what am I talking about when I reference McFan? What I said at McFan about this and what I also said in a road rant, which I don't even know if it's been uploaded, it was on my way to McFan. In fact, uh, road rants you'll find Bob France road rants you'll find on my web pages, uh, Truth Social or yeah Truth Social Facebook, uh, Twitter and so forth, Instagram. But what I what I endeavored to explain to the audience on Saturday was that you don't think that just these three are the only three. That believe in this and that that think that the anti-semitic genocidal calls for you know this these actions against jews on their campuses you don't think that this is only happening on those three campuses right when Elise stefanik says one down two to go i say one down and hundreds to go the only thing that makes in my opinion the presidents of harvard penn and mit different from the presidents of hundreds and hundreds of other institutions across this country is they were asked to testify you think it's any different if, if, the, if the president of Columbia was up there? You think you'd get a different answer if the president of Cornell was there? You think you'd get a different answer if the president of Princeton? Pick pick your Ivy League school. And not just Ivy League school. What do you think would, would the answer would have been from the uh, president of Oberlin College? What do you think the answer would have been if it was the president of Kent State University that had been called to testify? What do you think if it was Cal Berkeley? And on and on we go. This is the reality. This is the belief. This is the leftism and the radical indoctrination, and yes, the anti-Semitism of the American left. And 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 it is manifested in the positions of leadership of all of these universities. It's just that these three got called to testify and agreed to. Guarantee you, you could pick three other random university presidents, and you're going to get, uh, you're going to get similar answers. Or at least you would have before now Liz McGill has been fired or forced to resign. You would have gotten that same response. So it it brings to the forefront the question of what's going on at, at other universities. And that brings me to TOSU. I've never been a big fan of the putting the the or the the in front of Ohio State University because it rises at somehow above all other universities. And quite frankly, it doesn't have that. Uh, it doesn't deserve that. But um, I don't want to digress too far from the point. The point is that the Ohio State University is a radical, and I do mean radical, indoctrination center as bad as any Ivy League institution, as bad as any leftist institution on the West Coast, as far as as bad as any institution, quite frankly, in Ohio, including the radical Oberlin and Kent State uh, uh, institutions. Senator J.D. Vance wrote a letter on Friday. He wrote a letter and sent it to the incoming president of the Ohio State University, Mr. Walter Ted Carter, Jr. And in this letter, he demands that the Ohio State University make some significant and serious changes to the leftist bent that they have Uh, In Columbus, the radical leftist indoctrination center that Ohio State is has got to be changed, says Senator J.D. Vance. He tweeted a copy of the letter on on Friday, and he wrote this with the tweet. Today I uh, wrote to the leadership of Ohio State, a university I love, to ask about the troubling rise of racial prejudice on campus. If universities keep pushing racial hatred euphemistically called DEI, we need to look at their funding. Ooh, there's that word. That's the word that gets action. Funding. Ohio State University is funded by our taxpayer dollars. And J.D. Vance just put them on notice and said, if if DEI is not eliminated from the campus, If DEI is not eliminated from mandatory um, uh, curriculum for the students there, then we're going to have to look at taking some of your billions of dollars away that come to you from from tax dollars. And make no mistake about it. Everything that he said is is accurate. Racial hatred is on the campus of Ohio State University as much as, if not more, than anywhere else in Ohio or across the country. When we say racial hatred, by the way, this is why it doesn't get CNN coverage. This is why it isn't on MSNBC. This is why nobody on the left will talk about it. Because it's not what you think of when you hear the words racial bias or racial prejudice. It's not prejudice against racial minorities. If the racism was practiced as wantonly in Ohio State University's Columbus campus against black students and against uh, uh, other marginalized students, as they like to call them, and that term is a very loose one, but if it was against minority groups or minority or marginalized students, it would never exist. It would be, it would be destroyed in two seconds flat or less. But the racial, uh, racial uh, uh, hatred And the racial prejudice and the racial bias on Ohio State University's campus is not going toward the majority. It is aimed at or the minority, I should say. It's aimed at the majority. That's why nobody cares. It's like we talked about last week. I I, I described just a meme, a a short video that somebody posted of, of the same guy walking by a camera and looking at the camera and saying, I'm proud to be black. No problem. You should be. And then the same white guy walks by and says, hi, I'm proud to be Hispanic. Fine. No no problem. You should be. Then the same guy walks by the camera and says, hi, I'm proud to be white. And then the graphics on the screen are racist and white supremacist. Because it's true. If you're white and you express pride in your whiteness, you are expressing pride in uh, something that the minority uh, population does not have. And so, therefore, that makes you a supremacist. Apparently, there's no such thing as a black supremacist, a Hispanic supremacist, an Asian supremacist, a European supremacist, unless it's a white European uh, uh, ethnicity. But, but if you're white and you say, I'm proud of it, you are a white supremacist. Hell, you're just this far, just, just this, this far short of a, uh, of a, of, of a, of a pointy white hood. And that's the reality. So what they can do in Ohio State, and Senator Vance is pointing out, is they can turn all of their anger, all of their hatred, all of their vitriol at white students and expect it to be okay. Because these people aren't allowed to defend themselves. If you're white and you defend yourself against the slings and arrows, you are considered a supremacist and a racist. And you are silenced, if not outright canceled. So J.D. Vance is trying to step up and level the playing field um, at at uh, the Ohio State University. And I'm going to read his entire letter after the bottom of the hour to the university president. And then I'm going to ask you, especially if you're an OSU supporter, if you're an OSU alum, are you an OSU donor? I'm going to ask how you feel about this. And, and And quite frankly, we can talk about it. Regarding other universities as well, maybe you're a Kent State graduate, maybe you're a University of Toledo graduate a Youngstown State an Akron. I don't care where you went to school. Maybe your kids are, kids are in school in some of those places now, but I want to know how you feel about, about the fact that DEI is, is being pushed on all of these campuses, in all of these spaces, and its goal is to shame your white kid into silence, into obscurity, into depression and anxiety. And I mean this very literally. This is not just bluster. They're literally harming these kids because they're white. And, of course, a kid has no control over their skin color any more than they do over their height or or, or over any number of other physical characteristics. It's a physical characteristic, and they're literally shaming people for them. But only the people that can be shamed without an outrage and without the country burning down. So there's a lot to discuss there when it comes to education, when it comes to uh, what's happening on our campuses, and I will w- welcome your thoughts. I do have JD Vance's letter, which I'm going to share with you to give you more specific details. That'll be coming up after the bottom of the hour, and then I would welcome your phone calls. 216 888 281 Don't forget, if you just turned us on, Jim Jordan's off today. Well, he's not off. He's just not on the radio with me today because he's traveling. So he'll be with us on, uh, on uh, Wednesday this week, Wednesday at 9.35. So this, uh, this next hour plus is uh, wide open at 216901.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Fritz and The Answer.
4: All right, so let's follow up on this a little bit now. It's 9.32. Um, What we're talking about, again, this is not new news, but it is becoming worse. Um, We've been talking about the state of universities, and, of course, what used to be 20 years ago, a university problem almost exclusively, has, of course, now, over the course of the last couple of decades, trickled down into the same indoctrinational aspects of high school and then to the middle, middle school and, quite frankly, below that. Uh, at the elementary level, but we are still going to focus on how much worse things have gotten at the university level. Uh, U.S. Representative Jim Banks from uh, from Indiana describes it the way. Congressman,
5: here is a flashback of you grilling President McGill at that hearing last week.
6: Why did Penn let Professor Ahmad Amala off the hook, who led hundreds of students in chanting there's only one solution, intifada revolution, why does that professor still have a job at your university?
5: Representative, our approach to uh, speech is, as I identified, it follows and is guided by the United States Constitution, uh, which allows for robust perspectives. Congressman, it is there is freedom of speech even if you disagree with it. Are there any exceptions though for tenured uh, professors because President McGill, now she's going to the law school, she'll be teaching, but she is tenured. Are there exceptions where you can still fire someone?
6: Well, apparently for McGill and these other elite college presidents, there is a major double standard. And that double standard was on full display in the hearing last week. Uh, take for example a speaker who came to university of pennsylvania to speak but they canceled his speech because he previously worked for the donald trump administration Mm -hmm. or they fired amy wax a conservative law professor but McGill who can't even with a straight face say that genocide against the Jewish people is against the code of conduct right. or is violent speech on our college campus can go, can go teach at the law school so there's a giant double standard here these universities have become right. cesspools for left-wing political activism they're not about teaching our kids and training them for the workforce and that's why we gotta cut off their money
4: right cesspools of leftist activism, left-wing activism, not teaching and training our kids to be productive members of the workforce. He is a 1,000% right, of course, but this doesn't matter to the American left. It doesn't matter if that's what they're doing to people because that is their goal. They don't care about productive members of the workforce, people who have a chance to go out and be successful in the world, as long as their their, um, agenda is being advanced. That's all they care about. David Nunez, uh, Nunez, um, commenting also on this, on University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill resigning after that shameful, embarrassing testimony before the House committee uh, said this. And
5: and we talked earlier about the university presidents. That's another issue that you mentioned, you know, uh, TikTok. Were you happy to see the University of uh, Pennsylvania president step down and do you believe there will be more?
2: It's rather
6: remarkable to see in my time, seldom do you have a congressional hearing that that results in something happening so quickly. And I would give the Republicans a lot of credit here that they actually expose what really is stupidity. I mean, for some of the smartest, well-known universities around the country that are armed with lawyers, armed with PR people, armed Mm -hmm. with government relations people in Washington, D.C., to not be able to simply say, uh, we do not condone genocide on any campus of ours
4: well and i explained this a little bit last week on friday on the air and then on saturday when i was at mcfan there's a reason why they don't want to acknowledge that that calling for genocide is a violation of the student code of conduct at any of these universities because if they acknowledge that then they would have to take action against it in other words there are videos of scores of students on all of these campuses calling for genocide and then they would have to go to those videos and start doing facial recognition and picking, uh, picking them out and doing investigations into who was chanting what. And then they'd actually have to suspend or expel them. And they don't want to do that. These are their tuition payers. They don't want to do that. That's the reason why, in my opinion, the biggest reason why they won't speak out against this uh, loudly. And why now uh, McGill, Liz McGill, has, is out of a job as the president of the University of Pennsylvania. So let's bring it back home now, as I promised I would, to the Ohio State University here, the crown jewel of the state of Ohio, right? Oh, I O, go Bucks! Well, the football field may be very, very different from the classrooms. This letter was sent to the incoming president of the Ohio State University, Mr. Walter Ted Carter, Jr., by Senator J.D. Vance. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Dear President Carter, I write to express frustration with the culture at my alma mater, The Ohio State University, and to understand how that culture might change once you become its president. In particular, I am concerned by recent news reports that considerations related to diversity, equity, and inclusion have been infused into the university's hiring practices and curricula. My concerns began late last month when researcher John Saylor of the National Association of Scholars published his analysis of the university's public records in a major newspaper. Saylor discovered that so-called diversity considerations, including both applicants' immutable characteristics like race, ethnicity, and sex, and applicants' views on diversity as a social and political matter, were central to the faculty hiring decisions across the colleges of arts or the college of arts and sciences. One hiring committee at the university even admitted that, quote, diversity and inclusion featured prominently in all its discussions, end quote, about applicants, and that, quote, naturally most weight was given to candidates from URM, which stands for underrepresented minorities, end quote. So let me stop right there and just underscore that jd vance just told the president of the ohio state university that his university he's about to take over is discriminatory it is literally in violation of the united state of united states federal law it is in violation of the civil rights act it is discriminating against people based upon their immutable characteristics such as race, their color of skin, their appearance, for gosh sakes, their ethnicity, again, something they have no con- uh, control over, and their sex in favor of underrepresented, underrepresented minor- minorities. In other words, if there's a black guy and a white guy, black guy gets the job. If there's a black, uh, if there's a, uh, black woman... And a white woman, black woman, gets the job. If there is a Hispanic gay person versus a straight white man, the Hispanic gay per underrepresented minorities by sex, by ethnicity, by race, orientation, and so forth, they're going to get the jobs. The letter from Senator Vance continues. Before rushing to judgment, I made sure that Ohio State had a chance to convey its side of the story and to proffer any rebuttals to Sailor's analysis. University administrators assured me and my staff that a new program of standardization would remove illegal considerations like race and sex from the hiring process and preclude the use of diversity statements to discriminate against those who reject DEI culture. Though I still had some concerns, those conversations left me feeling optimistic that some of the worst abuses of recent years would be corrected by the university itself and that further reforms could be worked out in private. However, I recently learned that the problem here may go well beyond hiring practices. Once again, a public records request has revealed that a core function of the university, this time teaching, has been compromised in the name of DEI dogma. It turns out that earlier this semester, Ohio State undergraduates were being asked to, quote, unpack the invisible knapsack Of privilege, including white privilege, heterosexual privilege, and able bodied privilege. One of the materials given to the students in the course at issue encouraged white students to confess that whiteness subtly trained them to visit hostility, distress, and violence upon people of color. In other words, students in this course were taught to traffic in various race and identity-based stereotypes, including the stereotype that white people are inherently wicked and oppressive. I'm going to pause there. If you had a kid, a white kid, at Ohio State University right now, and you knew this is what they were being subjected to, would you continue to pay that tuition? Or would you yank that kid out of that hostile situation in two seconds flat? I would hope you would yank them. Or at least do something to ensure that correction is made. White kids are being told, ordered by professors, to confess their whiteness, confess their privilege, and confess that they subtly visit hostility, distress, and violence upon people of color. They are being told that if you're white, you must confess that you are a freaking racist. V, Ohio State University. OH. H. We should be supr- proud of that, right? After all, the football team's really good. Meanwhile, your tax dollars are paying for this. Senator Vance's letter continues. It seems that the rot of DEI, a modern gloss on racism, anti-Semitism, and other ancient prejudices, is pervasive at Ohio State. Your presidency is the kind of change in leadership that I hope will occasion a serious review of these ideas, their legality, and their role on campus. I'd like to know whether and how you plan to right the ship. And I am most inter- most interested in your response to the following questions. Will you allow faculty to, to discriminate on the basis of viewpoint during your tenure as Ohio State's president? For example, would you allow a faculty hiring committee to reject a scholar's application because the scholar had previously criticized the Black Lives Matter movement? And I'm going to pause there to say this is extraordinarily important. Kudos to Senator Vance. Let's get right out in front of this. When you become the president, are you going to change these policies so that students, prospective scholars and prospective faculty um, are not rejected because they have a different social or political viewpoint than the radical leftist viewpoint that the university holds. If somebody has criticized Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives Matter should be criticized, it is a racist. Marxist, almost terrorist organization. And I say almost because they have stood in solidarity with terrorist groups, like Hamas. Are you going to reject the student who has criticized a a Marxist, racist, terrorist supportive organization like like Black Lives Matter? Because that will let us know whether or not this radical DEI dogma is continuing at Ohio State University. All right, back to the letter. The second question that Senator Vance asks the incoming university president, quote, will you permit undergraduate courses to inculcate race and identity-based stereotypes, including the stereotype that white people are inherently privileged? If not, will you terminate members of the faculty who attempt to present racial stereotypes as fact? On a personal note, he writes, I don't relish sending this letter. I am an alumnus of the Ohio State University, and I'm extremely proud of the university. Some of the fondest memories of my life were made there. I fear much has changed. Some of the poorest counties in our state are in the Appalachian region, a region that is disproportionately white and suffers from a host of socioeconomic problems at higher rates than the country at large. I wonder how many poor children have come to Ohio State as I did First in their family to go to college and wonderstruck by the campus's beauty and infinite possibilities only to learn that they are privileged because of the color of their skin. Ohio State is not an Ivy League school, writes Senator Vance. It is one of our nation's oldest land grant schools established to serve the people of our state. I want Ohio State to be successful. But I believe that success depends on serving all citizens of our state, rather than parroting the latest madness to come out of Harvard and Yale. I will direct my staff to schedule a meeting at your earliest convenience, in order to discuss these and other matters. Signed, Senator J. D. Vance. So this is um, this is extraordinary. It's extraordinarily important. And I want to know how you feel about it, particularly if you are a parent of somebody or maybe you, like J.D. Vance, are an alum of Ohio State University. How do you feel about Ohio State taking our tax dollars and then telling your kids, if they happen to be white, that they're scum? That they are wicked, oppressive, racist scum? You're disgusting. Because you, by your existence and by the melanin or lack thereof in your skin... You oppress people of color just because you exist, and you need to unpack that. And oh, by the way, that same un- unpack the invisible knapsack thing that Senator Vance referenced there included heterosexual privilege. In other words, if you if you're if you're a guy and you're not attracted sexually to other guys, well, then you have a privilege, and you have to you have to unpack that and know that you are also. Uh, trained subtly to visit hostility, distress, and violence against men who like sex with other men, or women who like sex with other women, or women and men who like sex with each uh, uh, whatever whatever other variant that you can find in the alphabet soup of LGBT. Blah blah blah. You have privilege. I mean, if you're a parent of a kid who is in that school, tell me, are you good with this? And if not, what are you doing about this? Are you hearing the stories from your kids? Or are your kids going there and buying in? Because that's the goal. You do understand this isn't just to shout this at the kids and then, then walk away. It's to make sure they regurgitate it back. That the Ohio State University students, student Buckeyes, ...who have white skin must feel the shame. Not just say it, but feel it. If they're straight, they must feel the shame of that. They must apologize for what they are. Because they're not underprivileged and marginalized enough. They're too overprivileged. And they get, the, they get these kids to regurgitate this stuff back on campus to professors. And then what happens? Because what is a kid... A kid is a is a, is a, is a person who hasn't achieved adult status yet and as such their brains are what they're preformative they're not fully developed and their brains absorb this stuff and their brains are impacted by this stuff and then they come home with their newly impacted brains, which have absorbed all of this DEI left wing shame, shaming of, of people based on their skin color and so forth. They bring that home to their parents and you don't even recognize them. They come home and they're ashamed that they're your kids because you two are white. What could you couldn't you have gotten some other color mixed in there? You made me privileged. You made me, you made me um, straight, too. I'm straight. Well, maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I'm going to think about one of the letters in the alphabet so that I can be a little bit more uh, you know, like the other kids, like the other, the other students. And this sounds insane, but this is reality. The senator, the senator could have written probably pages and pages and pages on this subject, but he just limited it to a couple of examples and I want to know how you feel about it, Mom, Dad, grandma, grandpa, student, alum. Because this is uh this is dangerous. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, Triple Eight two eight one eleven ten. Dan is in uh, Middleburg. Hi, Dan, go ahead. Uh good morning, Bob. Good morning,
7: Dan. Uh, uh I think I have a little bit of input which directly addresses what you've been talking about. I agree with you a hundred percent. Uh I'm I'm a lifetime uh alumni member, Ohio State graduate okay okay i don't support ohio state but for business purposes a long time ago i became a a lifetime member okay all right so i made one donation and that was that okay they call me like every five minutes for more money every day but heh, that's another story but i'm, I'm a i've been aboard for a number of years of how Ohio State's changed. It never was the way it is right now. And I believe it's filtered down even into the football program, and I can comment on one or two things. First of all, with the president, the new one coming in, uh, just I don't know if you're aware or not, but uh, I believe his name is Mr. Carter?
4: Yes, the correct.
7: Okay. Well, the, the, the president the last several years was uh, a lesbian president, okay? And I wasn't happy with it because she's a lesbian, but because I think just like those three presidents from Harvard, Pennsylvania, and MIT, I don't know, I'm not sure. I, I heard that they're all lesbians also, okay? It looks like this is filtering down throughout the whole system, okay, by wokeness and DIA and uh, or D, DIE or whatever it is. Yeah, You understand know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Carter, who's coming in in January, is... A Top Gun graduate jet pilot. I don't know if you knew that or not. Did
4: you I know did that? not. I did not. No, I don't know anything well, about He him.
7: holds the record for Top Gun of no injuries landing on an aircraft carrier. He, he, he holds the all-time record. My, I'm saying that to say this guy is a total opposite of who he's replacing that resigned in May like... The University of Pennsylvania lady just resigned, mm-hmm. okay? So it looks like they're, somebody's trying to make a change, and I suspect it's the donators, the trustees, and the uh, uh, and the people that are, uh, you know, former graduates that are part of the uh, the alumni. There has to be a pressure. And I believe that filtered down all the way into the football program, because if you remember a couple of years ago, and this is nothing, I have nothing against black or white. Remember Haskins and Joe Burrow? Sure. Okay. Well, Haskins was a, uh, an excellent, you know, number one draft pick thrower. But Joe Burrow was at the school at the same time. And they had to make a choice at that time. This is just my opinion. I'm a football aficionado, so I kind of know what I'm talking about. So so they went and made, they had to make a pick. Joe Burrow left Ohio. So he was Mr. All Ohio. And then he went to LSU and immediately won the national championship because of him. LSU doesn't win it without him. Yeah. And then we have... In present day, it, here. it's
4: it's yeah. Well, first of all, I, I do That's not I want to. I do not want to. I don't like the connection you're making there at all. Uh, th- this has nothing to do with what's being taught at the school. That they chose a black quarterback over a better white quarterback or anything else. I, I I I reject that on its face. That's number one. Number two, even if you did want to make that argument, I would point out to you that Joe Burrow was number two uh, at the time when uh, when uh, uh, he injured his thumb. I think he was out for the season, and so or and so when Haskins came in and played extraordinarily well for that short period of time it gave him a leg up the next season which is why he got the job instead of burrow because burrow was ahead of him but he got injured and then haskins got the job and then haskins did a great job and burrow of course realizing okay and now i'm graduated early anyway he decided to play a graduate uh transfer year at at lsu that had nothing to do with the dei story that you and i are talking about Um, But the first part of the stuff you're talking about is very important. I did not know about the background of Ted Carter. Um, It is encouraging. I do not know the sexual orientation of the presidents of Harvard, MIT, or, uh, or Penn who testified. I don't care. But if you're right... And they're all lesbians. It's more than just coincidence. It sounds like it's an agenda that the uh, that the boards of trustees at these various universities are specifically looking for non straight people and non white people and non male people. Um, And if this is an indication, the hiring of Ted Carter in a shift away from that mentality, that they're going to look for merit and not sexual desires versus and and skin colors, uh, uh, um, you know, then that's a that's an encouraging thing. And I certainly hope that Senator and thank you for the call, Dan. I hope that Senator Vance is right about that because he said he's optimistic. I hope you're right about that. When you talk about this guy's background, I, I don't know how. His military service will impact the way he runs his university, but it is encouraging. I like to hear that. I do have some information in front of me now that you brought him up. Graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, Naval Navy Fighter Weapons School, known as Top Gun, holds educational credentials from the Navy Nuclear Power School, the U.S. Air Force Air War College, and the Naval War College, and the Armed Forces Staff College. It's phenomenal. I love the background. How that. Will, will impact or direct his handling of things like this at the school is anybody's guess. I love the fact that Senator Vance wants to have a meeting with him to discuss that very same topic, because that was at the end of the letter. Senator Vance said, I'll have my staff reach out to yours. So we need to get together and meet on this. So I hope that is exactly uh, the way that this goes. Uh,
1: you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. This is
0: Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer,
4: is your host, Bob France. Okay, hour number two is underway now at six minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us. I want to do a little shameless plug here for something because um, this is big. If if you, um, and I'll get right back to your calls on education, on Ohio State, what Senator Vance is calling for, what happened in the Ivy Leagues, the resignation of one university president, which should lead to the resignation of many others, quite frankly. But um, this is just a shameless plug. If you think that you know what happened to george floyd if you think you know about his life if you think you know about his death if you think you know anything about derek chauvin if you think you know anything about the trial if you think you know anything about the autopsy report you have no clue and i say this as a person who thought he knew all of the above i had no clue the depth of the corruption of what happened in that case and in that story, there's a new documentary out. It's called "The Fall of Minneapolis." If you have not yet watched it, watch it. But moreover, if you have, uh, if you uh, want to learn more uh, than what you think you know, watch my interview with the film's producer, Liz Collin. It airs today uh, at f- about 4 p.m. on the uh, Strictly. Sp- it's my show, Strictly Speaking, uh, on the Roku Roku channel, channel 529. You can also watch it on the free Roku app, also on uh, Plex TV, also on the TCL TV and devices. Uh, There's a whole host of ways you can find it. We're adding new uh, ways to watch every single week. But you've got to watch the interview. Um, It's a remarkable, remarkable in-depth look at the film, which is a remarkable in-depth look at the reality of what happened. This is one of the most corrupt trials in the history of the United States of America criminal justice system. I say that with some serious confidence. It was unbelievable. Everything you thought you knew, you were supposed to know. Everything that you were fed was all they wanted you to eat. From the mainstream media, through social media, through judges, um, through uh, corrupt police leadership in Minneapolis. I mean, you have no idea. Derek Chauvin got stabbed in prison 22 times, a place he should not be. He should not be in prison. I i have ripped Derek Chauvin. I have criticized him. I have, you know, while also providing the, 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 the balanced approach to it by talking about the reality of who George Floyd is and what he was, the fact that there are George Floyd statues that have been built, streets named after him. Nancy Pelosi declared that George... Floyd was a hero because he sacrificed his life for a greater cause. She said that George Floyd overdosed on fentanyl and methamphetamines, and 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 is and and had a serious coronary condition. He he would have died had he been in his apartment, much less on the street trying to pass bad uh, phony of counterfeit hundred dollar bills. Um, I, I don't want to get into the whole thing. I just want you to watch it. Watch the interview. There's a teaser of it that's up on my Twitter page right now. If you follow me on Twitter at France Rants, there's a teaser of it that's going to be on my Facebook page here in the next half hour. But there's just a that's just, like I said, a small taste of it. But you, if you want to know what really happened and if you want to know why this country is in the state that it's in from the standpoint of defunding police, we have understaffed. Yeah. Look, not, not that Cleveland was a beacon of... You know, law enforcement virtue um, prior to George Floyd in the summer of th- uh, you know Memorial Day weekend in 2020, but Cleveland is 350 officers under budget right now, in large part because George Floyd overdosed. You know that there are police departments in major cities that are under uh, that are underfunded and understaffed right now because George Floyd overdosed. There is a rampant wave of crime committed by black people in predominantly black inner city areas in terms of especially looting stores, going in and doing just massive rushes and shoplifting and knowing that they're not going to be stopped because anybody who tries to stop them is going to be accused of racism. Anybody who tries to stop them is going to be accused of of uh, of harassment. And they just do it and they do it because George Floyd overdosed. They couldn't have gotten away with this in twenty nineteen. They can now because George Floyd overdosed. And the narrative from the media is because George Floyd was killed by a racist white police officer. (laughs) All all of this is, I mean, this is, this is, again, another chapter in the future history classes of America that is, um, it is not going to be presented well. If and if and when the truth is allowed to come out, the truth came out in this movie. And I've, I've got no financial stake in this, by the way. Don't don't think I'm promoting this for financial reasons. I do want you to watch my TV show, but um, but no, I I just want you to watch the movie, The Fall of Minneapolis, which you can watch for free at thefallofminneapolis.com. And I want you to watch my interview with Liz uh, Collin, the producer of that film, um, because it's extraordinarily insightful. And so that'll be on Strictly Speaking. A little later today, around 4 p.m., and then available on demand on the True Blue website, which is WatchTrueBlue.com, WatchTrueBlue.com. All right. Charlie, you're on AM 1420, the answer. Hey, Charlie, go right ahead.
2: Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, this, this tolerance movement started in the 80s, and it's just gone way out of line. I, I worked in about 13 school systems as a substitute, and I watched it. In over about twenty years, and I, the lesbians were running the show, and it's the funniest thing. They came in as teachers, and then they worked their way up as principals, and they hired their, their own. And that's and that's probably what's happened all through the universities too. And le- last week you had a state rep on that's going to introduce a bill, and he said Ohio State has a hundred forty some DEI officers, spending like a hundred forty million dollars a year on this baloney it's just baloney and you know i my daughter works as a uh, human resource officer for the state of ohio and i said i was telling her o- over the weekend i was down in columbus and i said hey you know they've they've got 140 people at uh, you know working on this in, at ohio state she was that dad, dad that can't be true and i go that's what the state rep said and that's you know i gotta believe it's true mm-hmm. and it's just wasting taxpayers money it's wasting so and it's and it's Dividing us, it's not. It's causing division in our society. DEI is the op, doing the opposite of what it was supposed to do, and I just uh, you know this. I think it was Serena. I, I,
4: I don't serene. know if I agree with that last statement, Charlie. I don't think it's doing the opposite of what it's supposed to do. I think it's doing exactly what it was supposed to do. It's supposed to divide. It was never supposed to unite. You know the the concept of inclusivity. I had a really great question from one of the attendees on uh, Saturday, at McFan. Charlie uh, a lady asked me about inclusivity and how it goes hand in hand with exclusivity and and she 's exactly right whenever they try to do inclusiveness by its very nature, it leads to the exclusion of some. If you invite biological males who think they're girls into the girls' shower room and locker room uh, in order to be inclusive, those girls are going to go running and they're going to leave that shower room and guess what they are being excluded from what should have been their private space same thing happens on these campuses when it comes to all of these social justice organizations if you try to be inclusive and say we're concerned about <clears throat> the uh, opportunities for people of color or for people of this marginalized group of that marginalized group in order to give them more of what they want you have to take it away from people who are already ha- who already have it are already doing things so so the intent of DEI is not to include, it is to divide. That is the reality of it. You cannot do an inclusive um, uh, program or conduct an imp- uh, inclusive program without specifically creating enemies and without specifically taking things away from or demonizing those who are already doing those things. That's reality.
2: You know, our society seems mm-hmm. to be tearing itself apart. There's a guy, you know Vivek Ramaswamy. He gets up there and he says these are the truths. And he said reverse discrimination is discrimination, and that nobody says that, but that's the truth. We should have never had all this reverse discrimination. I mean, all this stuff. It's just well, yeah. I hard. mean, yeah.
4: That that's that's not groundbreaking. You know, there's the, the, it's like a long time ago. <clears throat> people got rid of the phrase reverse racism. Uh, it, there is no reverse racism. It's just racism. If you are Uh, If you are demonizing someone solely because of the color of their skin or their ethnic background, you are practicing racism. Whether that person happens to be a minority in skin color or a majority, it does not matter. Racism is racism. Prejudice is prejudice. Uh, Discrimination is discrimination. There's no such thing as reverse.
2: Yeah, and they've been very successful. I was watching Will He was saying, are you proud to be a Mexican? And they go, yes, I'm proud. Are you proud to be Chinese? Yes. Are you proud to be white? No. And I, I go, where Where is our society?
4: Yeah, you well, know, history, but that's because they know they're going to be canceled if they say yes to that. If you're proud to be Mexican, you 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 wave that Mexican flag even on American territory, American uh, you know ground uh, proudly, and and it's it's a okay. If if you're proud to be you know any anything else, but but if you say I'm proud to be American, I'm waving an American flag. Well, now you're a you're a, you're jingoistic, you know you you're a um, what, what's the other word um. Oh, I'm I'm flaking on it. Uh, if if you're overly proud of your you're country, well, but but <laughs> yeah. that's not the word. No, yeah. it, but, but there's another word for it, and I'm flaking on it right now. But it's okay. But the point is that yes, you are consider you are considering yourself to be above other people and above other nations. That's why, if you recall, Char- and Charlie, I'm going to let you lose your so swing at some other people on the air. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your call as always. <clears throat> um, there was a I think it was in New Jersey. We did this story about two weeks ago. There was uh, Spirit Week. You know, Spirit Week they have at school. You remember Spirit Week, right? One day is crazy day. One day is this day, that day. And, you know, you dress up in different things, and it's a Spirit Week. And uh, they had Spirit Week, and one of their days was USA Day. And they denied it. You were supposed to wear red, white, and blue that day. It's like, yeah, USA Today, day today. No. You, they said no because it was, quote, too political. What it real? What they really meant was it was too um, uh, jingoistic and too... Um, um, you, I don't know. It depends on how you feel about America, but but the, the the teachers and the administrators in these in these schools, not just at the university level, but at, as I say, these high school levels, they don't want kids to be proud of the USA. They see the USA as being systemically racist, systemically prejudiced, biased against people of color, biased against people who are trans transsexual or transgender or whatever they want to call it. And so if you're wearing a, a red, white, and blue outfit for a day, or if you're carrying around a flag, you are considered to be biased. You are considered to be prejudiced. So they wouldn't let it happen. But I guarantee you they encouraged uh, students on Cinco de Mayo, they encouraged them to, to wear Mexican garb and, and fly the flag and so forth. And this isn't about Mexico, by the way. I don't give a rip. You should be proud to be Mexican if that's your heritage. You should be proud to be Russian if that's your heritage. As long as you don't bring the communist uh, communist ideology that comes along with it, right? You should be proud to be Chinese. You should be proud to be Canadian. I don't care. We should all be able to be proud of where we come from. But here in the United States today, if you're proud to be American, you are demonized. Just like if you are proud to be a person with lighter colored skin than somebody who has darker colored skin, then you are considered to be a supremacist. Even if that person with darker colored skin is allowed to say, I am super proud to be whatever that that is, and whether it's African-American or whether it's Jamaican or whether it's, uh, I, again, it doesn't matter. But if, they, if you're a minority, you're allowed to express your pride in that minority status, or not the fact that you are a minority in status, but proud of whatever it is that makes you uh, who you are, you're allowed to be proud of that. But if you are white, if you are straight, and if you are pro-American, you are the devil. And this is happening in our schools. That's what J.D. Vance is pushing back against at Ohio State University, and that's why they forced the firing or the resignation of the University of Pennsylvania president, and I hope this is just the tip of the iceberg. It has to be. Our kids can't go on like this, and our country, quite frankly, cannot survive like this. You wait until this generation of kids, this, this Gen Z, the, the, the younger millennials, and then the Gen Z that followed them, wait until they become get into their 50s and 60s and they're running the country. It will be unrecognizable if this doesn't change at the education level right freaking now. Tanya is in uh, Akron. Hi, Tanya. Go ahead. Yeah, Bob,
8: you're so right. But I uh, called you back a couple months, about a month ago, and I told you that they would be protesting your schools, and you said, I hope not. Remember in New York, the high schoolers were protesting. For, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They had, okay. Um, it's great that we're focusing on a college president, but until we get down to the administrative level, until we get down to the teacher level and root, this, root these people out by that, nothing's going to change taking out one president of a school is good for maybe two weeks on a newscast, but all the people that are hiring these, all the, the assistant assistant VPs and all of the hiring people, we got to get to them. Those folks, because those are the ones that are selecting these crazy teachers. Those are the D de- we need to get away with tenure in every field because, no one should be guaranteed a job just because you've been you've been happy and you've been lucky enough to sit in a position for ten years. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. It's about results. And that's why I look what uh DeSantis is doing in in Florida with the College of Florida. Mm-hmm. He's got he fired everybody, brought in new people,
4: yep.
0: uh
8: Hillsdale, in a dime of government money. We have to get our, we, the universities that we want to send our kids to, we have to say we don't want them to have taken a dime of government money. And that way we may be paying more, but we're going to get a result that is so much better. And then our children will be able to compete because people will hire them over these snowflakes that are coming out of these prestigious what used to be a prestigious university, I can't call them prestigious anymore. They used to be, but they were biblically founded, and that's, they're going on, they're still writing on their historical basis that they were found on virtue and truth. They're no longer founded on, they're no longer living out that virtue and truth. I would agree with that. And we have to start that now at the middle schools. I'm listening to parents argue about, we need to put our kids in, you know, St. Vincent, St. Mary, CC, you know, CCV, all of these prestigious schools. Come on, people, give your child a classical education. All of these, all your kids don't, don't need to go to those schools. We need to go to something that you can afford, that won't put you or them in debt, that's going to give them a degree that they can walk out with a job. And then, also, get our million billionaire, our millionaire class, to start hiring people not on where they went to school, but what they have been able to produce.
4: Well, and I'll tell you what, what yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're spot life. on. I want to, I want to use what you just said, Tanya, and thank you for the call to promote something that I'm strongly behind, and that is the classical education, the uh, NEOKA, the Northeast Ohio Classical Academy. We've been talking about this. <clears throat> There are a handful of them around Ohio. We do not have one in Northeast Ohio that changes next year. The uh, the, the land and the building has been purchased. The build out is about to be is about to begin uh, to get the school ready for the fall of 2024. They're already taking uh, pre-registration for it, and it is extremely important that people know about these types of schools. The Northeast Ohio Classical Academy is tuition free. It's tuition free. It's not a public school, but it's tuition free. So we're talking about a classical education public charter school. It's in the Hillsdale Mission. Uh, it's a it's a Barney Charter School, which is which is basically Hillsdale uh, curricula driven, and it is classical education. And it's an opportunity for kids, uh, parents, to get their kids out of public schools without having to pay pricey parochial and private school tuitions, uh, and still get them into a place where they can learn and actually get ready for you know for the uh, Uh, You know for their futures and and to become productive members of society. It's very very important. I encourage everybody if you are of uh, if you have child right now that is going to be K through five next year. and you're looking for an opportunity to put your kid in a in a learning environment where all of this DEI stuff is gone where all of the making people feel bad for what color they are or what they you know what what they, making sure that they understand the realities of biology where they're not going to be you know taught that biology is completely malleable and you don't have to be a male you're a female and so forth all of the nonsense that is being used to indoctrinate our kids is just gone from a place like this and its tuition free I urge you to visit NEO Academy I'm sorry NEOCacademy.org NEOCacademy.org stands for Northeast Ohio uh, Classical Academy NE or just google NEOCA Neoca uh, and you'll find out the information The school is going to be in copley that's going to be the location and um, it is, like I said, it's it's the first of what is hopefully going to be many to come throughout Northeast Ohio. They are already in a lot of other states and in other parts of Ohio. But uh, this is the first one in Northeast Ohio, and I cannot recommend it strongly enough. And, again, this is no I have no financial stake in this. This isn't an endorsement. This isn't a commercial. This is a straight-up fact. Parents, you need to get your kids away from the uh, left-wing indoctrination of the public schools. And if you cannot afford the private schools, which many of which are also – You know, flipping to their left wings. Um.
0: Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer.
4: Okay, 1035. We'll come back to more phone calls in just a bit, particularly about the uh, George Floyd story we were just discussing. uh, Also about education. Uh, Great phone calls so far this morning. But I want to pivot for a moment or two here to talk about patriotism. And uh, and to talk with a patriot, somebody who is a Navy veteran, uh, and who has decided to put his patriotism on his sleeve and also on the walls, uh, he wants to build you a flag. I didn't say I didn't say stitch you a flag. He's not Betsy freaking Ross. He builds flags, custom flags. Joe Burdick uh, is the owner of Burdick Custom Flags, and he had an opportunity of a lifetime just a few days ago. This past Thursday, he had a trip down to Florida and to see whom. To go to a Dolphins game? No. He went down there to see the boss. Uh, that's what Sebastian Gorka likes to call President Trump whenever he sees him. Yeah, Joe Burdick got to go down and meet the President of the United States. He is the owner of Burdick Custom Flags. He joins us now to talk, talk a little bit about his business and his experience down in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, Joe Burdick, good to have you on our program. How are you, sir?
9: Morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing
4: great. Good to have you. Thank you so much. I was just looking at the uh, small novel that you wrote on Facebook, (laughs) chronicling your experience uh, uh, down to see President Trump. Before we talk about that, though, tell me about Burdick Custom Flags. How would you get into the business of making custom wooden flags?
9: Yeah, so I I was at uh, Pat Katans one day about nine years ago, and I saw a little wooden flag, and I wanted it, and I flipped it over, and it was made in China. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And I probably did what every guy would do. I went home and I I drove my family nuts for months saying I could build it, I could build it. Well, finally, they were like, well, then do it. So I started making wooden flags for my veteran and uh, my first responder friends. And it kind of turned into a little side gig and then turned into a business. And you know, through my flags, I've helped raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities. I've it's opened unbelievable doors, and I've perfected the flag-making from when I started originally to what I do now, and it's, man, I, I'll tell you, Bob, I couldn't be more proud of what I do and what I do it for, especially promoting patriotism.
4: Well, I want to talk about those charities in a moment here, too, because that's phenomenal, Joe. Um, so did you always have a knack for carpentry, you know, in uh, woodworking?
9: Well, I mean I I'd always been in uh construction somehow. Uh I was always uh you know, construction management and I never got a chance to really use my hands uh too much until I started doing the flags and you know, I'm no master carpenter. I think calling me a carpenter would be an insult to carpenters. <laughs> but uh you know, I, 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 I love the uh being able to turn something from a you know, a scrap pile or whatever into a piece of art that people want to hang on their walls
4: well i i, I won't uh, i won't dispute you about your own uh, view of your skills but i'm looking at some of your products right here online right now and i think they look phenomenal so if you uh if Thank you're you. if you're not a master carpenter you're doing a hell of a good job of faking it because uh it looks amazing so so joe Thank let's you, let's talk about let's talk about um the mission you said you have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for charities through these flags tell us how that works
7: yeah so
9: um you know a lot of a lot of places you know they want raffle items um you know places like the chris kyle foundation or lone survivor last year marcus luttrell invited me to the lone survivor foundation gala in houston um you know and i i raised money for neopat and uh you know fallen cleveland police officers you know unfortunately i'll do it every single time but one of my flags raised $28,000 and every penny went to the officer's family. Um, you know, it's, 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 I consider it almost my patriotic duty that I need to, to help out these charities when they ask or when I can do it. Um, it the local charities like Neopat, mm-hmm. um, the Patriot Project, uh, I went to the ball this past November for chiropractic care for veterans. And then there's, cleveland american veterans association there's the sam center a friend of mine started to help veterans it's it's just something that i love to do and you know the you know which also brought me to why we're on this phone call and why i went down to florida uh moms for america which i didn't know much about and i'll tell you what
0: they're amazing.
4: They are. They are. I've interviewed uh, uh, Tiffany Justice uh, uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, one of the one of the founders of Moms for America. It's a great organization, and you donated one of your flags to that group, right?
9: Yeah, yeah, I did. I, uh, a friend of mine on social media uh, is a uh, a major donor to Moms for America, and he said they they were in need of raffle items. And asked me if I'd be willing to donate a flag and I said, Oh yeah, of course I will. You know, if you ask, I'll do it and you know, it was for the the Mother of Influence Awards this past weekend and he said, I'll tell you what, do you wanna come down as my guest to Mar-a-Lago? and <laughs> I uh Well let I me think about see. that.
4: I don't know, i have to check my schedule. Oh, I'm not I don't sure. know.
9: Let me see. <laughs> but I but what I did, Bob, is I looked on the to for airline tickets and I found a round trip ticket to Fort Lauderdale. The total price of the round trip was thirty nine dollars. What? So I said, Yeah, thirty nine dollars on Spirit Airlines and I so I jumped at the chance. I uh I said, Yeah, I'll be there and uh boy once in a lifetime opportunity, let me tell
4: you. Uh, Hang on for a second. I'm filling out some vacation request forms here. (laughs) I'm kidding me. I'm getting out of here. Uh, Maybe I need a travel agent like you. You met some amazing people down there. You met uh, I'm looking at one of your posts right now. You met Dr. Alveda King. You met Dr. G, Sebastian Gorka, uh, Kerry Lake and some others. Um, And, of course, President Trump. Tell me what that was like to be down there and uh, describe the experience on the evening that uh, that you had there with the president and so many other dignitaries.
9: Yeah, so I, it started off the day before when I when I was sitting at the pool, uh the bar by the pool and I'm just I'm rapping with Sarah Carter from Fox News for over an hour and it was it was the most amazing unfiltered conversation you would have with somebody in the media and you wouldn't expect to be that honest. Now she was the MC for the show. So, but the next day meeting like you said Alvita King, uh Sebastian Gorka, uh, Stephen Moore, uh, Carrie Lake. I mean, it was, for me, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And I, and I was standing there talking to a state rep in Florida and she's like, can you believe that we're here? And I'm like, I'm a nobody from Cleveland. I I shouldn't be here. And she's like, if you're at, at uh, Mar-a-Lago, you're not a nobody from Cleveland. So it made me feel good. But when, when president Trump came in to be that close, to the 45th president of the United States was amazing. And then, you know, obviously when I, I got to meet him, shake his hand and get a photo with him, I mean, I'm still, you know, on cloud nine about that. I mean, it was it's amazing.
4: Well, I'm looking at some of the pictures right now, and everything you're describing is incredible. Including you've got just some great shots that you've posted, and I don't know if your Facebook page is public or where people can view these. But just of all of the different areas and intricacies and the beauty of Mar-a-Lago, I mean, what was that like? Just being, uh, you know, on the president's estate there.
9: Uh, you, you, you know, and that's the that's the thing, Bob, is that meeting, I I keep saying meeting the president was really cool, but meeting the president at his house was, you know, that, that, that's, that's crazy for me. So walking up, I, I respected everything. I, I paid attention to everything. I mean, the perfectly manicured lawn, the, the, how, the, how nice everybody was. And, and, you know, the chandeliers and the Gothic art on the walls and everything that's you know, the, the the rumor is true. President Trump loves the color gold. Everything was gold, including the urinals. So <laughs> everything was gold in that house. And it, I mean, you, we had limited limited access, of course, but what we did get to see was amazing. And yeah. and being at his house was amazing. And I think probably the the wildest thing to me was how close it was to the bridge. Uh, you pull out of the driveway and you're literally pulling onto the bridge. So just the close access it is for people. But (laughs) security is, uh, you know, unbelievable getting in there.
4: Oh, yeah, you as you can imagine. Um, Was the first lady in in attendance?
9: So she wasn't at the awards ceremony. I was really hoping she was because I had questioned, you know, uh, I was always hoping they're still together and President Trump, while he was talking you know for an hour he confirmed that she is there and he kept referring to her as the the beautiful uh first lady uh, first lady and so she was there just not in attendance at the award show
4: okay so so joe let's uh let's bring this back north now you uh, you had your weekend or, or your period of time there down at mar-a-lago now you came up mm-hmm. here how, now that you have newfound celebrity, I'm imagining you are going to uh, have just tons of orders from not just in Northeast Ohio, but around the around the country. How can anybody listening right now get themselves a custom-made uh, a Burdick flag?
9: Yeah, so I've got a website, which is BurdickFlags.com, B-U-R-D-I-C-K, BurdickFlags.com. Uh, on my social media, it's Burdick Custom Flags on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, that's where all these. Uh, that's wanna... where all
4: these gorgeous pictures are, by the way, right now. I mean, seriously, <laughs> and of, of your of you and of you know the 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 folks that you met with, but also again just the grounds there at Mar Maralago, inside and out. It's simply an incredible little tour here to take. You got about fifty pictures up there, so I encourage people to yeah. do that at Burdick Custom Flags on uh, on Facebook. But but are, are you going to have to like hire out now, or are you going to still be able to um you know ma- do you make all of these by hand, or do you have a, a crew and a staff?
9: No, actually, I do everything myself. Wow. So everything's—it's all done by hand. I don't use CNC machines. I don't—I don't cheapen my product. Uh, I love to be able to say that it's handmade. So. And so, you know, it's so veteran so the owned, stenciled
4: ones, business. Joe. I'm sorry, I'm looking at. It. I'm, my friend Charlie sent me this, and I also see it's on. And maybe that's his. I don't know, but um, I'm looking at com And my friend Charlie, your, your mutual friend Charlie Kalani, right. uh, the politically incorrect mechanic. He's got one of your flags in his shop. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's the wood flag also with the stenciled um pledge of allegiance on each of the red stripes. Right. You do each of it's not machine done, it's not like you know a stamping machine where you pump punch those out. You're literally, you know, carving each oh, one no. of those letters yourself.
9: Well, on Charlie's flag, uh, because there were so many letters, uh he he said he wanted it painted on. So I painted those on. But I carved the fifty stars into the flag um the wavy flags i you know it's all hand carved uh you know uh the waves into the wood uh again i don't want to cheapen the product or make it easy just to mass produce something i want you know there's so many people making flags now bob when i started eight years ago there was hardly anybody so i try to make mine more unique so i don't i don't want to do it with machines or you know, paint, you know, painting stars on, looks cheap.
4: Yeah, I get it, and you know what that 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 stands out to me because you obviously want each one to be personalized and you want it to have your own personal touch. And uh, and you're right, it, you know, it it means more. Speaking of meaning more, Seth, turn your mic on. Seth just told me something, Joe Burdick, uh, uh, about uh, about a, a special one that you did, Seth. What are you trying to say? You did stuff, uh, Joe. Hey, Joe. How you doing? uh you did st- oh,
0: there we go Hang joe hey how you doing uh you did stuff hey, for Chef. the max soviak's family too
9: yeah so yeah that's a great story uh i was i got a message one day from Marilyn soviak and she asked me if she could buy one of my flags for her brother's funeral and i responded absolutely not but i will give you one um and they came over and got a flag and uh They set it up next to his casket at his wake. Now, I didn't go to his wake, but his dad invited me to his funeral. Um, But when they came over to my house to pick up the flag, the Navy hadn't released Max's body yet. Um, And then I found out later in the day that uh, Kip Soviak received word that, you know, the body was going to be released. Um, So sadly, after he left my house, he found out that, you know, he can get his body but I did go to the funeral, and I've I've donated a few flags to their charities, um, you know, over the last couple of years. So I, my heart, I have a special spot in my heart for Kip and Rachel Soviak.
10: Max, of course, was the soldier
4: killed one of the one of the soldiers killed one of in the thirteen State. killed in Afghanistan. Exactly, yeah. yeah. During that terrible. In withdrawal. fact, I was
9: wearing my Max Soviak uh, t-shirt when I was talking to Sarah Carter and. It brought a tear to her eye as I was just you – know, she didn't know who Max was, so telling her who Max Soviak was was an honor for me and a, and a promise kept to Rachel Soviak that I would continue to keep his memory alive. And um, so, yeah, I I love the Soviak family.
4: Well – um, everything we're talking about here is evidence of of what you are. You're a patriot, a true patriot, and you care about people, and you care about causes, and you raise money for charities, and uh, and these flags are just amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at one of the testimonials. Found this badass masterpiece in my mailbox. Thank you so much, Burdick Custom Flags. I love this. Yeah. I want people to go to your page, and uh, I'm assuming you probably have a bit of it. A- turnaround time right when somebody says i want to order one up uh especially you know like you say they are all custom made and people want certain designs how long does it take to get one from start to finish
9: yeah well it takes about a week but it also depends on how many orders i have going it takes about a week mm-hmm. to make one but i figure turnaround time mm-hmm. i usually tell people two to three weeks and then i try to get it out in the mail within two weeks
6: that's incredible
9: so i would have I thought two do, to
4: three months i mean i how It takes a week to make one of these with all of that hand carving and hand stenciling and everything else that you do, depending on what what people want. That's incredible.
9: Yeah. Yeah. And you know the cool thing, Bob, too, is that President Trump actually has one of my flags in his office at Mar-a-Lago. The guy that invited me to uh, the awards ceremony this weekend, he hand-delivered one to President Trump, and I got a a uh, a hand-signed letter from President Trump this past spring, and um, Also, uh, Congressman Miller has one of my flags at his D.C. office, and he literally he spoke about me on the floor of Congress this past spring.
4: Wow, that he's an is amazing, incredible. Congressman. That yeah. is incredible. Good for you. And that's uh, so. So he, you saw it in his office? Did he hang it, or had it have it hung, or well, or you just got the notification and, and the handwritten letter? No, that I he's didn't got it? see it in his office. I okay. I, I actually asked in yeah. the
9: letter with the flag. I asked President Trump for a photo with the flag. Uh-huh. And I didn't get the photo, but the, the the guy that is his friend, his neighbor, he confirmed it's hanging in his office. Um, and, you know, the letter that I got from him, you know, he was obviously appreciative, but uh, I, I didn't actually see it. But it was confirmed that it is hanging in his office.
4: Wow, that is incredible. That's it. that's got to be such an honor for you. And uh, and, and I just I love this. And imagine how good you'd be if you were a master carpenter. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: right. Seriously, Joe. Uh, so let's send people to the website uh, Burdick Flags B U R D I C K BurdickFlags.com, And as you say on the web page, or excuse me, on the Facebook uh, side of things, it's Burdick Custom Flags. Uh, if people want to see your work, look at your uh, incredible video or uh, pictures, I should say, of your trip to Lago And if People want to order themselves up a flag. Uh, this is how they can reach you. Joe, I'm so glad you came on. I'm so glad to hear your story about going down to Mar-a-Lago and meeting with Moms of Liberty and so many other groups. Keep up the great work, my friend, and thank you for your patriotism.
9: Yeah, it was an honor talking to you finally, Bob. I appreciate this.
4: Oh, the honor was mine, my friend. The honor was mine. Hopefully we can we uh, we can we can talk again soon. Thank you, Joe.
9: Sounds good. I'd love it. All right.
4: That's Joe Burdick. Uh, again, the website is burdickflags.com. And then the Facebook page, if you are on Zuckerberg's uh, profile, uh, or uh, platform, rather, which I am, sadly. I wish we had an alternative, uh, but it's the biggest one. Uh, But it's Burdick Custom Flags, Burdick, B-U-R-D-I-C-K, Custom Flags. And you can see some of this incredible work. All right, let's take a time out here now at 10.52. And uh, we're free for phone calls the rest of the way. okay ten fifty seven just a shorty here before the top of the hour. <clears throat> We've got plenty of time for your phone calls on the other side at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's get uh, Navy Man Norm up and on the air here. uh Navy man, go right ahead, sir.
3: Good morning, Bob. Just go wanted ahead. to comment j. D. Vance's letter to Ohio State. yeah, I think it there is one of your best shout outs ever. I am so happy with his work as our Senator. Uh, he has just exceeded all expectations. But to the clueless, uh, apathetic, indifferent parents of Ohio State students, get a life and get involved in your student, your son or your daughter's education. And to what they're trying to do to you. Just as information for your listeners, Bob, I called the David Yost Attorney General's Office make a complaint about those wonderful unpack this unpack that uh discrimination courses and they told me you have to talk to the ohio board of education so the number of the ohio board of education bob is six one four four six 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 thousand and they will tell you that you have to go to their website they will provide a link and you can file a complaint against the Ohio State University. And perhaps it will do some good, perhaps it won't. But my question is this, where are the parents? Where the hell are the parents of these students? It would be a cold day in hell before I were to let one of my children, my son or my daughter, attend a school that told them in no uncertain terms, oh, you're a heterosexual, you don't count. Oh, you're an able bodied person who's only too happy to work for a living.
6: Oh, you're and right. Not,
4: and not just that, Navy Man Norm, and I apologize for the interruption, but i got to get to the news here. Thank you for the call. You are an oppressor because you are those things. <laughs> and that's the, uh, that's the reality of what's been going on at Ohio State. I hope it changes too. Senator Vance is doing a great job. Back after the news.
11: The House expects you to vote this week on a resolution advancing the Biden impeachment inquiry. Dealing with the smallest of majorities, House Republican leadership is working to round up the necessary votes to formalize the inquiry. Former President Trump deciding not to return to the witness stand today at his civil fraud trial in New York. Mr. Trump says he very successfully and conclusively testified last month. and He tells the New York Young Republican Club that he's being politically persecuted but is enduring it for all Americans. Every time radical left Democrats, Marxists, communists, and fascists indict me, I consider it a great badge of honor. I'm being indicted for you. These are not indictments in the traditional sense. These are Biden indictments against their... This is just against a political opponent. The cleanup and the grieving both are underway across mid-Tennessee where at least six people died and many homes were damaged or destroyed in the devastating weekend storms.
5: Crews were already at work cleaning down trees and restoring power to homes in Nashville, where people fled to safe rooms as Saturday's tornadoes struck. It sounded like an explosion went off. You could hear stuff flying everywhere. Greg Chant says he's grateful no one was hurt at his home, but he's mourning the death of a friend whose trailer home flipped onto another. He lost his love. Also, killing a woman and her two year old son in the trailer below. <laughs> the woman's brother arrived from atlanta having to tell family what happened i'm jackie quinn
11: israel's military attacking hamas targets in both southern and northern gaza at the same time terrorist rockets continue to rain down on israel on wall street the dow is up 106 points more on these stories at
12: townhall.com donald trump's indictment proves that saving america is not going to be easy There are entrenched powers that are fighting this with everything they've got. They want to keep control over the country, the narrative, and the nation's money supply. Hi, I'm Lance Wall now. I'm a news analyst, a Christian author, and evangelical leader. I speak to millions of people every week, people just like you. You see, what the elites are doing is using inflation and government handouts and now central bank digital currencies to determine how they're going to control America. And that's why I recommend all Christians start a gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. Because physical precious metals are one of the few ways you can maintain control over your own savings. To get a free info kit on gold IRAs, text the word FAITH to 989898. Birch Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Get their free info kit and you'll see why a gold IRA can help. Of Always Right Radio is brought to you by
0: The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. On AM 1420, The Answer.
4: All right, eight minutes after 11 o'clock. Final hour is underway on AM 1420, The Answer. Phone lines are wide open for you the rest of the hour. 216-901-0945, 281 1110 either one of those numbers. We'll bring you right here. We've got a lot to talk about uh, this morning. We're talking about schools a lot this morning because of uh, the uh, resignation of the University of Pennsylvania president after her shameful testimony before a congressional committee refusing to condemn genocide or the calls for genocide of Jewish people uh, by their left-wing anti-Semitic students on their campus. Uh, So she resigned. The two other... Presidents who were excoriated for doing the same thing and refusing to condemn those things. Uh, the presidents of Harvard and MIT are under pressure, but so far they have not yet resigned. The question becomes is how much power and how much, um, how much control do you think um, uh, you know, public pressure has on these things? It forced the resignation of one. Hopefully there is more, more than just public pressure. Congressional pressure, lawmakers, if you missed the first hour of the broadcast, a little repeat here, lawmakers, seventy two of them in a bipartisan manner of House Lawmakers demanded the resignation of those three presidents. I will repeat what I said earlier, however, it cannot stop there. These three presidents are not the only three university presidents in America that that know that there is anti Semitism and calls for genocide of Jews happening all over their campuses. And not doing anything about it. They just happened to be three that were on camera testifying for a, a congressional committee. Um, this is going on in hundreds and hundreds of universities. And I think every single one of them should be forced to stop it. This is not a free speech violation to, uh, to punish students for calling for the genocide of people. We are talking about incitement to actual violence. Calling for an intifada, which is a, uh, uh, a violent uprising. These are these are threats. There is a difference between a statement of hatred and a threat. I went through this last week to some extent when we talk about where you know what what limits there are in the freedom of speech and, uh, you know, in the First Amendment and which ones are not. And to put it very, very clearly, um, you have the right to make hateful comments. Hate speech is and must be protected by the First Amendment. Because otherwise, you get into the game of deciding what is considered hateful. If you say hate speech is banned, what's considered hateful? What's hateful to one may not be to another, and that's a dangerous proposition. Hate speech must be protected. But that there's a difference between hate speech and threatening speech. There's a difference between hate speech and calling for physical violence against people. That's a big difference. And so they found that out at that particular – at the University of Pennsylvania, but hopefully other presidents are going to find that out as well. They're too cowardly to say that this violates our university's code of conduct because if they say it violates the code of conduct and individuals did indeed engage in those violations, then they have to suspend them or expel them. And these are their tuition payers. They do not want to expel students for screaming from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. They don't want to hear – or they don't want to uh, – uh, um, condemn or expel anybody for death to Israel, death to America. They don't want to do any of those things. They just want their good little indoctrinated robotic sheep to continue on. So anyway, if you missed the uh, the conversation earlier as well, J.D. Vance, Senator Vance, has written a letter to the president of the Ohio State University uh, demanding um, evidence that the new incoming president, President Walter um, Carter Jr., or Ted Carter Jr., is going to be different than his predecessors, that the DEI uh, that is practiced so wantonly both in hiring practices at Ohio State and in curricula from from faculty to students, that it is going to change. He is calling for a meeting with the university president and is saying if there is not evidence that the DEI is going to be removed from the campus, then he wants to talk about funding. Senator Vance wants to talk about funding of the public Ohio State University, where which your taxpayers do indeed fund. Excuse me, your tax dollars do indeed fund. All right. So if you want to weigh in on those things, we certainly can. We have more too. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. I want to go to Frank first because Frank wants to talk about George Floyd. And I brought this up just a short while ago. Frank, thanks for your uh, your patience. Go right ahead. Hey, can you hear me? I hear you just loud and clear.
13: Great. First of all, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on the phone. First-time caller. I love what you do. Welcome. You and the rest of my heroes, Dennis Frager, uh, Larry Elder, all, the, all you guys doing the right thing. And thank you to your phone uh, screener, who's very sweet. So I'll be very, very quick. OK. You mentioned before about the whole George Floyd thing and how corrupt the trial was and everything. And I was just going to say, I feel like people are so tired of hearing about these things that are so blatant. And yet nothing happens and nobody's held accountable for it, even afterwards. Um Secondly, I was going to bring up about schools and, you know, people talking about homeschooling and that kind of thing. Um, Why can't it be that if, like, if uh, a person goes from one district to another, that money follows them from the state or from the uh, city or however that works? Why not, if you homeschool your kid, if it's whatever they invest in that person or whatever they invest in each student, if it's $7,000 a year, why doesn't that money follow the person to their home? This way, if 20 kids wanted to get together and be homeschooled, you could pay somebody hundred and forty thousand dollars to teach them and it was just a thought one of them what you thought
4: well it's it's a good thought um probably not the that amount of money that you're talking about and thank you for the call frank keep listening and i'm glad you were a first-time caller i hope you call back again um i'll get to the george floyd thing in a second um the the idea or the concept of of uniting parents with uh, and uh, of their students And kind of collectively pooling their resources to hire a tutor to homeschool their kids because the parents themselves either don't have the time or maybe the qualifications or the ability to handle the material is a good one. Oh, and we do have a guest coming on, so bear with me for one moment. Um, so that is a good idea, that you know that kind of collective uh, idea of getting kids together and getting parents to pool the resources. That is not a new idea, but it's one that should be expanded. Uh, and as far as George Floyd, I'll come back to that. But I'm told we do have a guest on the program. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to reach uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, one of the most uh, recognizable and well-respected criminal uh, uh, lawyers in the United States, history of the United States of America, is joining us on AM 1420, the answer this morning to talk about uh, the uh, ongoing uh, situation at the universities that we were just discussing. Professor Dershowitz, good to have you back. How are you, sir?
10: Well, good to be back. Thank you so much for having me.
4: So uh, I was just, you know, Elise Stefanik, who questioned the presidents of Penn and Harvard and uh, MIT last week, uh, tweeted after uh, the Pennsylvania president stepped down, one down, two to go. I concur with that. Uh, I'd like to know how you feel about that and whether or not you think the pressure on your former university or where you are still a professor emeritus but President Gay, whether or not you think she is next.
10: I don't think so. I think she'll be able to hold on because she has uh, the board of Harvard pretty much on her side. And 400 Harvard professors uh, recently wrote a letter saying that she should be retained. I think she should not be. I think she should be forced to resign or she should be fired. Um, and I think that the entire program of, um, of what's called DEI um, and, and uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion should be dismantled because it's the source of the anti-Semitism, the largest source of anti-Semitism at Harvard. Uh, she is a much better candidate for being fired than the president of Penn. Let me explain why. President of Penn has a long history of supporting free speech, and so I can understand why she would have some difficulty about being clear that a person who calls for uh, genocide against the Jews should be dismissed. She has a long history of free speech. On the other hand, President Gay has a long history of being opposed to free speech, a long history of wanting to fire people for microaggressions, a long history of denying due process, a long history of tolerating uh, a double standard at at Harvard. Uh, You you can say anything you want about Jews at Harvard, but if you dare to even suggest anything about gay people or transgender people or black people, my God, uh, you will never, never last at Harvard, never be promoted. So it's her double standard that I think invites her being uh, forced to resign. She had a case a few years ago, and she was the dean of the college, in which a professor, Ron Sullivan, who was the dean of one of the houses at Harvard, um, was fired by her, by her as dean, because he had represented Harvey Weinstein for one month, as was his duty under the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution. She said, "No, no, because he was the dean, he had a special pastoral role to make students feel safe." Well, by that standard, she certainly hasn't made Jewish students feel safe. At Harvard, I know that because they call me all the time and tell me how terrified they are to go to class or to leave their dorms. Some of them uh, don't want to go back next semester. Uh,
4: professor Dershowitz, we're talking with Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, who, of course, is a noted professor but also a phenomenal author. His latest book is War Against the Jews How to End Hamas Barbarism. Uh, and we did an extensive uh, interview on this on our uh, television program on Strictly Speaking. And Professor. Um, when you talk about you know Gay being maybe the more likely uh, choice to 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 be fired or to be forced to resign, her position at Harvard, I'm wondering if it isn't going to take what it took to get McGill to step down at Penn, which is a hundred million dollar donation that was uh, that was rescinded after she made her comments. It's going to take the donors. I mean, how big is yeah. is uh, Harvard's endowment? Too big,
10: uh, and that's why a hundred million dollars is just a drop in the bucket for Harvard. Um, it's going to take a lot more than that. The Wexner program has been canceled at Harvard. Um, other donations, uh, my small donation, I used to give a small amount, that's been canceled, um, obviously. Uh, there are many people, but I don't think the pressure is going to work. I think it depends on what the students and the faculty uh, want. Now, the faculty, a lot of them have gotten together. Some of my colleagues at the law school, uh, saying, no, we don't want to submit to outside pressure. But they haven't responded to the substantive arguments that people like Bill Ackerman have made. Uh, Bill Ackerman is a major uh, donor. And, and and they've just said, no, no, we have to stick by her and, and defend her and make sure outside influences don't affect us. Well, outside influences should. Harvard, you know, is not only its current students and its faculty, its, its alumni, it's its contributors, its future students, and uh, but I, if I had to make a prediction, my prediction is that she will survive. Uh, my hope is that she does not.
4: Professor, what, what really frustrates me about this is, you know, Representative Stefanik said, hey, one down, two to go. Well, that these are just the three that testified before the Congressional Committee. Right. Uh, there are hundreds, yeah. hundreds of these presidents. They know these things are going on on their campuses. They just haven't been publicized because they well, haven't no, been no, in Washington.
10: Worse it's worse than knowing. Many of them encourage it by building these DEI bureaucracies. Mm -hmm. Remember what DEI stands for, diversity, which means only diversity of skin color. At Harvard, 97% of the faculty identify as liberal. No diversity there. Equity. Equity is the exact opposite of equality. Today, it's a microaggression. If you quote Martin Luther King's dream of a time when his children will be judged not by the color of their skin, content of that character that's that's an aggression to say that it's the opposite of equality and inclusion absolutely excludes jews and asians explicitly that nobody nobody is hiding that fact and so it's the dei bureaucracy that has which brought president gay to power uh she was a, a big proponent of dei and it's that bureaucracy which causes the major problems and should be should be dismantled. So even getting rid of the presidents wouldn't be enough. I think the the, the um, uh, remedy is is much more de- is much deeper and more pervasive.
4: Yeah, I I think you're probably right. We're talking with Professor Alan Dershowitz, the author of War Against the Jews. It's his latest book, How to End Hamas Barbarism. Professor, pivoting away from the universities just for a moment, I wanted to just get your thoughts on the latest developments in Israel. Um, um, Prime Minister Netanyahu said over the weekend, the time is now for Hamas to surrender. He said we already have dozens of, of Hamas fighters individually surrendering, that the leadership needs to surrender so that we can indeed end the, the war and thus the collateral damage. Uh, but Tony Blinken uh, is sending a very different message to uh, to Israel than I think uh, maybe what the the rest of the country feels saying that you don't have the credit to finish the job against Hamas that was his statement last week do you think the United States if Hamas does not surrender and and Israel is forced to carry on this campaign for months do you think we will pull our support for them under this leadership
10: depends on you and me and the rest of us if we put pressure on the administration to do the right thing, to allow Israel to complete the job. And you know who will thank the United States and Israel the most if Hamas is destroyed? The people of Palestine. They don't like Hamas. They claim they do. And some of them are supporters and some of them are followers. But life would be so much better for the people of Gaza if they didn't have Hamas governing them. Um, You know, the thing that's most upsetting to me in the United States is Groups like gays for Gaza, you know, let them go visit Gaza. They just would have to have a one-way ticket. They'd never get out of there alive. Feminists for Gaza, progressives for Gaza, uh, you know, Hamas. Hamas is a fascist, neo-Nazi organization, and why liberals support it is is beyond my understanding.
4: Professor, you're right. It is up to you and me to let the uh, in administration know how we feel. But the thing is, they're hearing pressure, feeling pressure from the other side of this. Swing right. state Muslims up in Michigan said they are done with Biden in 2024 yeah. if he good, doesn't good. pull his support for Israel. So Biden's here caught between two different groups of voters, isn't he?
2: He is.
10: But, you know, let, let him not be influenced by people who support uh, Hamas. So where are they going to go? Are they going to vote for Trump? I don't think so. Um, I think
3: no, but as you know,
4: but as you know, from the electoral standpoint, he has to win every every key state like Michigan. And if they stay home, if if thousands of Muslim voters stay home, even if they don't vote for Trump, it could cost him.
10: I don't think they're going to stay home. I think they're going to reluctantly vote for Biden because he's, in their view, the lesser of the two evils. I just hope that Biden isn't unduly influenced by by their pressure because it's not a question of pressure. It's a question of who's right and who's wrong and 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 you know in this case hamas is on the wrong side and those who support hamas are on the wrong side and so i think that president biden who i've known for 40 years and is generally a man who sticks to his principles and so far he has i hope he will and i hope the united states will not put any pressure on israel to fail to complete the job because if they do this The tragedy of October 7th is going to happen again and again and again.
4: Do you feel the uh, it, same way yeah. about the Secretary of State as you do about President Biden? Because I don't know if they're on the same I page.
10: I do. Uh, I've, I've known, I don't know him well, but I've known Tony Blinken over the years, and he's generally been supportive. His stepfather was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, he understands uh, anti-Semitism, and he's made some good statements, but he's you know under pressure, and the decision will be made ultimately by the White House, by people like, obviously, the president and the vice president and Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, and uh, the Secretary uh, of of State and the Secretary of Defense. I think the Secretary of Defense uh, made a serious mistake when he said that if Israel continues doing what it's doing, it will put the people of Gaza into the arms of Hamas. First of all, they're in the arms of Hamas already. Uh, I don't think what what Israel does will will change that dynamic. But second of all, if you look at the experiences of Second World War, when the United States and England totally totally destroyed uh, the German leadership of the Nazi Party and the Japanese leadership as well, um, the American the, the Japanese and the Germans came to support the United States because the United States helped rebuild them with the Marshall Plan and what happened in. In Japan, and I think if the United States can help to rebuild with the help of Europe and other entities, um, Gaza, that would be, uh, uh, I think the people of Gaza would appreciate that.
4: Last question for you, Professor Alan Dershowitz. Sure. Uh, uh, we certainly appreciate you coming on here. Going back to the education part now, you mentioned DEI at Harvard. I want to pivot to yeah. Ohio State University <laughs> here in the Buckeye State. Senator Vance, yeah, great yeah. 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 Senator Vance sent a letter to the incoming president basically saying that if uh, Ohio State continues to push racial hatred, you, his words euphemistically called DEI, then we will look at your funding. Is that what Absolutely. it's going to take?
10: Absolutely, and it should take it. DEI is a disaster, and it should be dismantled, and particularly at state universities. State universities cannot sponsor hate, and that's what they do, and they sponsor the DEI programs. So he's absolutely right. I support him 100%.
4: Alan Dershowitz, Professor Emeritus at Harvard. Thank you so much for your time. Again, I'll push people to uh, Amazon or anywhere else that can find your book, War Against the Jews. Great. It's an important read at this particular time. Thank you very much for your time, Professor.
10: Thank you. All right.
4: That's Professor Alan Dershowitz. We got him on short notice today. I wasn't sure he was going to be available due to his packed schedule, but he did call in, and we certainly appreciate uh, the fact that he did that. Now, I'll take a time out here. We have a bottom of the hour break coming. I'm going to get, if you're on hold, I'm coming right back. Keeping you informed.
0: Among the uninformed, always right radio with Bob France on the answer.
4: Okay. Final segment of the broadcast. Again, thanks to uh, professor Dershowitz. That was unexpected. We reached out to him last night, but he just wasn't unable to commit uh, to talk about uh, what happened at Penn and what he hopes happens at his, um, his uh, former uh, beloved uh, Harvard. He is very, very disgusted by Harvard now, even though he's a, uh, you know, professor emeritus there. Professor emeritus there. But we hope to get him. We just didn't know if we could, and we did. So thank you to uh, Professor Dershowitz for making the time. The rest of the time is yours. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. We're going to hit um, Marianne next. Marianne is waiting in Cleveland on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Marianne. Go right ahead.
5: Hi, Bob. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> I never thought I would be saying that, uh, uh, Doctor uh, Dershowitz. All my comments, but as it were, uh, as it was, as I was going to talk about Claudine Gay a little bit, and also about um, what's going on in our schools, um, I happened to read Miss um, Gay's proposal when she was about to become uh, the president. She kind of the candidates all submitted proposals, and I was stunned by the absolute myopic view she had of race and grievance. Uh, if anybody's interested, it is online. You you cannot believe every single um, public uh, academic paper she wrote, her dissertations, everything is ter- uh, seen through the uh, lens of racial grievance. So it is not surprising to me her testimony um, but what I wanted uh,
4: before you call, before you continue, Marianne. Before you continue, yes. you said it's available online. Can you give me a point me to a to a page? You know, to see um,
5: and I I'm so sorry I can't. That's um, all right. But if you just look up, maybe like um you know, propose, uh candidates for Harvard's uh, presidency. She's she's very new, so there were a number of right. candidates, and Got it. They put hers on, um, and it, it's it's very long, and I, I can't believe I read it all, but I was absolutely stunned. It was. One theme, one theme, DEI and racial grievance, um, okay. and for years. So it's not a surprise. <laughs> um, what I wanted to say, Bob, is that um, I, I am the head of a, a nonprofit that we uh, teach sex education throughout the country. We have about 3,000 educators. And one of the things that, you know, happens is that our, uh, our providers get uh, grants from the Administration of Children and Families, Department of Health, And just this year, a new criteria for those grants is meeting a DEI requirement Mm. and that all of our uh, educators have to go through training every single year. But what what I think it is important for the parents and for your listeners to know is that the DEI kind of bureaucracy is also an agenda for the promotion of a radical sexual agenda on children. So um well, it's way more than just trying to get you know America isn't isn't uh, is a colonial oppressor it's actually you will accept everything and every sexual uh, orientation or proclivity
4: Yes. Well, um, uh, that is uh, that is, I think, what a lot of people have have known and been pushing back on for some time. Um, But the idea that it's going to be that grants are going to be contingent upon that is. um, Yes, it's it's so dangerous. It's it's incredibly dangerous. So so what's what's the name of your nonprofit? Ascend. Ascend. A s c e n d. just like. Correct. Just
5: uh, the word, you know, kind of an upward trajectory. Right, and um, we're in uh, schools all across America, from California to Maine. Uh, Three thousand educators, and uh, schools are you know in a, in the uh, Cleveland area. Operation Keepsake is a is a very large program that serves a lot, hundred and fifty of our schools, both public, private, and uh, charter okay. schools. Okay, so it's really important that people are paying attention, and it seems to me that. Uh, In terms of, you know, clipping the wings of the DEI, I do appreciate uh, our Congressman Vance's work, but I also think it's important that uh, lawsuits be brought because, you know, we fought this battle in 1964, civil rights, and uh, we do have federal laws that prevent, you know, or that, that actually deal with discrimination. And as your callers previously talked about, yeah, I think you talked about reverse uh, discrimination, but, you know, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have lost the moral high ground, the alleged moral high ground. I think anybody, any wokers or academics, um, their moral authority has been really, really severely damaged uh, w- by this testimony of these college presidents. But our, our, your viewers and parents need to know that it, it trickles down uh, even to the lowest you know to the or i mean to the youngest of our children and uh, very very much a call for vigilance in that area and not to be cowed and and to, and to mention litigation just even sometimes the threat of litigation will uh, will put the brakes on some of this but I think well, you're that's right
4: yeah I mean answer. you know again we not not to beat the dead horse here but it's as I mentioned to the professor you know if the hundred million dollar donation to uh, to Penn yeah. wasn't he wasn't yeah. yanked there I don't know if the pressure to make her resign would have been there so it's always about following right. the dollars that's why that's why uh, Senator Vance said we will have to look at funding for the Ohio State University if uh, you know if this is not curbed so so yeah um, it is always about the dollars uh, what I want to do Marion is put you on hold Rather than hang up, because I want you to just give some information to Marianne, our Marianne, uh, uh, uh-huh. about, about Ascend, so that I can learn, learn a little bit more and and also find out a little bit more about uh, President Gay and uh, what you were just referring to. So, uh, let's put you on hold okay. there. Thank you for the information from Ascend, and uh, we may have some further future conversations. I appreciate that. All right, uh, let's go to um, let's go to Sally in Berea. Hi, Sally. Go ahead.
14: Hello, Bob. I really support Senator Vance's initiative. I think that um, there shouldn't be funding for um, colleges that are supporting or not investigating any kind of hate speech. And the colleges I attended don't have that much better a record anyway, but I am a master gardener, and they're associated with the Ohio State University Extension through the Agriculture Department. And I'll, I'll watch out because there's things we have to sign every year and make sure that, um, there's nothing in there that I object to. But, um, I, I just think that we have to take a stand and, and I support, you know, at all levels of the education, uh, you know, school boards and all that. We, mm-hmm. we have to make some changes. So. And thank you for your uh, comments on uh, at McFan. It was very informative, and I appreciated your prayer for to support um, the um, Jewish nation. Yes. Thanks again, Bob, and Merry Christmas.
4: Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too, Sally. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful morning, uh, on Saturday. We had a lot of very good people, very interested patriots and activists there in support of, of, uh, that which is right. And that, of course, includes our friends, our Jewish friends, especially during this Hanukkah season, but period, uh, especially after, uh, uh, what, what happened and what continues to plague them in Israel. Um, BJ North Olmsted. Hi, BJ. Go ahead.
15: My question is, if the Jews didn't exist on this planet, who would they be going after? It's ironic to me that fellow human beings are always finding another group to go after. This human behavior is getting to be to, to a point where it's incomprehensible. Why does hatred exist toward a particular group of people, no matter who they may be, is what is sad for me to see, particularly coming from young people, what has been feeding their young minds for them to have this kind of hatred grow in them. You could say it's from their parents and grandparents. It's something more than that. There's something that's going on that I, in my 93 years, can't comprehend. The willingness to hate some group of people. What's going on in Hamas is all based on groups hating each other. And if humans are going to keep hating each other, this is never going to end on our planet. And it concerns me that I hope this awakening that I believe that we're in the process of seeing take place is going to make us more aware that if we don't appreciate our fellow human beings, we're not going to have much appreciation for ourselves. I thank you for listening, and I really hope there's an awakening coming soon. Merry
4: Christmas. Thank you, BJ. Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, I'll say this. Um, a lot of it is human beings, yes.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn